2: This is the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. Goldsmith swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Grey Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. silicon win! Delicate win! Now from the Steeple Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: Coming to you from Cardinals Nation inside Ballpark Village. Great to be back here. Tom Ackerman with you for the next two hours until we turn things over to Joe Pott, who will have our pregame show at 1220 and then a first pitch at 115 for the Cardinals and the Toronto Blue Jays. What a game that was yesterday. What a game as the Cardinals walked seven from Jack Flaherty, three from Jordan Hicks and still won the ball game. I would chalk that up and look back on April 1st and say that's a game that they took because when you walk 10 in a game and win it you should be very happy and fortunate. And the Cardinals played well enough otherwise to get the job done. They cashed in on opportunities at the plate. They made plays defensively. They beat out throws on the base paths and they flat got the job done. Let's take a listen. From King of OX
4: I'm Nolan Arenado. Time now for a look at yesterday's game with 9 and 60.
1: Very different weather today. Much cooler temperatures as uh, we are in the high 40s right now. And the wind is whistling out towards center field. Jack Flaherty is going to be the Cardinals' hope
2: today. The Blue Jays in town, a very solid team with a deep lineup. You can say the same thing about the Cardinals. They take off the 3-2 pitch. A swing and a miss. He struck him out. Belt strikes out, leaving the bases loaded, and the Cardinals are coming to bat at Busch Stadium. Swing and a ground ball left side. It's uh, inside the bag and down the left field line, and that's going to score two. Arenado scores, and it's 3 nothing Cardinals. Here's a shot up the middle, knocked down by Mitchell. The second baseman picks it up, throws, safe at first. The ball got away from Guerrero. He dropped it. The run scores. Arenado crosses the plate. 4-1 Cardinals. Now the fans stand at Boyce Stadium with the Blue Jays down to their last out. Here's a swing and it's popped up on the infield. Shading his eyes, Arnado calling. He makes the catch for a Redbird winner. And the Cardinals are in the win column in 2023.
3: Again, that's a good win right there. Cardinals win it 4-1 over a very good Toronto Blue Jays team. You're going to hear from them for all season long. They're a lot like the Cardinals, very deep at all positions. They have good pitching. They have a ferocious lineup. They're going to be good all season long, and the Cardinals got them four to one yesterday. After that crazy opening day game that went back and forth and back and forth, that eventually the Jays won ten to nine. Let's have a nice, clean, easy baseball game today. Do you think that's possible? I don't know, man. It's Major League Baseball. It's early in the season. You just never know what's going to happen in this game. The Cardinals get the win four to one yesterday they also have jordan montgomery pitching today and montgomery has been really good so i look forward to seeing what he can do today it'll be chris bassett who's been tough through his uh, last couple of years he'll pitch for toronto 115 start for montgomery and again we're just 4 minutes away from cardinals manager oliver marmol joining us for his first sports on a sunday morning appearance of 2023 let's hear soccer for a moment Long
2: ball. All the way to the top of the Minnesota 18 the Denneran elevated Klaus elevated leaks back to the defensive line and the whistle does blow Minnesota wins to stay unbeaten on the 2023 season a penalty goal
3: by Amaria in the 78th minute San City to its first defeat in regular season franchise history. And you can hear the fans weren't too happy about that call. 78th minute penalty kick and goal for Minnesota. They win a tough one for City, but a great win for Minnesota because City is really good. As they've shown, they're one of the best teams in the league. Out of the gate, they're 5-1, and one, best in the West, best in the league right now with 15 points at the top of the table. Nothing to be ashamed of there. Eventually, they were going to lose one. Lutz Steele will join us. On the way at 11.15, an hour from now. Final four is down to two. It's San Diego State and UConn. Lamont Butler with the game-winning shot last night for the Aztecs to knock out Florida Atlantic 72-71. And UConn just pasted Miami 72-59, and it wasn't that close. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against San Diego State coming up. This Monday night, the women play today at 2:30. Iowa and LSU for the national championship. One of them is going to win their first national title. Caitlin Clark, what a special talent for Iowa. She is unbelievable. The guard is worth watching for sure, and we'll highlight that on the way here at 10:30, 10:45. Dan Reardon. Previews the Masters, which gets going this Thursday, eleven fifteen. I mentioned Lutes, eleven thirty John Mosalok, Cardinals president of baseball operations, and at eleven forty-five we'll discuss the Blues loss yesterday to Nashville, their game today against Boston, and the St. Louis Battlehawks play today down in Houston. They kick off at one o'clock. A lot of things going on. That's why we have sports on a Sunday morning. The St. Louis tradition coming to you this morning from Ballpark Village inside Cardinals Nation, looking in at a beautiful Busch Stadium. That's where Ollie Marmel is sitting right now in his office. We'll catch up with him live next on KMOX. And he hits
2: a drive. He hits a slammer. Graybar, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Millikens win. Millikens win. Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman. Are playing the left-handed batter to pull the pitch, a swing and a miss. A curveball strikes out Barsho, and Flaherty finishes the fifth inning, going one, two, three with a strikeout.
3: John Rooney with the call yesterday. Cardinals won at four to one over the Blue Jays. Jack Flaherty, what a line! Five innings, no hits. No runs, but he does walk seven. He gets that strikeout there, and we bring in Cardinals manager Oliver Marmel, sponsored by the Missouri Department of Tourism, and it is uh, thrilled to have you back on the show, I can tell you that. How are you doing this morning?
4: I'm doing well. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. I'm coming to you from Ballpark Village. I probably should have done this show down in the studio. Maybe we can pull you down in the hallway, have you walk down to join us one of these times. I I should have thought ahead. But being in the restaurant here, looking into beautiful Busch Stadium, it's nice to have another day of baseball. You're 1-1 one one on the season. Let me just focus on Jack for a moment. You just heard the highlight. That is exactly what you talk about, isn't it? A pitcher that is struggling to find command, but when things aren't going right works his way out of it and he did that yesterday
4: no doubt about it um it it definitely wasn't pretty uh i think we could all agree on that including jack but um what was impressive was his ability to keep his composure not allow um it to snowball and and at no part in that outing that he cave in um the, the no hits no runs when you're Walking seven and hitting a batter, Uh, I've never been a part of of something like that, but his ability to keep his composure was was the key to all of it.
3: It was, and the Cardinals were able to follow up with the bullpen effort. Jordan Hicks walked three, and I'll get to him in just a moment, but Drew Verhagen comes in and settles things down, doesn't he? And then you were able to close it out with Ryan Helsley.
4: Yeah, this is a guy we're going to continue to see. do exactly what he did his last outing. Drew has uh, his arsenal pitches. It's it's silly. Um, what he's able to do with the baseball is pretty impressive. He's got swing and miss stuff. This is what we were hoping for last year uh, due to injury. We didn't get to see a whole lot of it, but uh, we we expect him to have a pretty impressive year.
3: He was very good. Andre Palate also pitched a scoreless frame, and I mentioned Helsley's inning in two-thirds. You needed that inning in two-thirds because jordan hicks uh, couldn't find the plate he had three walks on the day how would you describe uh what jordan has done over these first two games
4: yeah uh, the game seemed a little fast yesterday and as he starts to settle in i think we'll see a better version of hicks i still have a lot of trust in him so i'm not overly really concerned with his out in the three walks aren't ideal um but he'll make that adjustment we've seen him make the adjustment in the past so um once he settles in he'll be fine but what Helsley was able to do was, was key to that whole thing with, with not having Geo in game one and game two. Um, that eighth inning is where, where you can lose the game. Um, so we were willing to take our shot there in the eighth with Helsley. And if, even if he would have thrown a lot of pitches and not been able to go for out for the ninth, I'd rather have that inning end with a zero and uh, give somebody else a shot with a clean inning with nobody on for the ninth. But uh, we took our shot. Um, it was good for him to get through the eighth with very little pitches and be able to go out there for the ninth and close that game out.
3: Yeah, how is Gio? Is he still dealing with some soreness and tightness, Ollie? Yeah, he is. He's going to come in this morning, and uh, our hope is that he's able to long toss
4: and uh, get off the mound today. If, if so, that's a, that's a really good sign, um, but we won't know a whole lot for another hour or so.
3: Gotcha. And am I right in saying Jordan Hicks is not really a strikeout pitcher? He is a, I mean, a blistering 102, 103, 104. He can get it up there. But he really, when he's at his best, he gets weak contact. Is that what you want it, best out of It's a lot him?
4: of weak contact. Yeah. And um, because of the velocity, you would think he, he would get a lot more punch outs. But what his pitches do just lead to more soft contact than anything. And the first game, we saw three bloop singles. Um, which could have easily been three outs, um, which was unfortunate the way that played out that whole game. Um, There's a lot of soft singles from both sides. But um, last outing with the three walks, that's where he's going to get himself in trouble. But weak contact, early contact with him is the key. And um, as he starts to hone it in, uh, we'll continue to roll him out there and see what we got.
3: And you mentioned that Jack would be one of the first to tell you that he wasn't great yesterday, but he still gets no hits in those five innings, and I've really enjoyed talking to him. I I feel like he's in a good place. I think I didn't talk to him after the game yesterday, but I did see his comments, and he's so honest and forthright. I I guess the number one thing with him is health, isn't it? I mean, you've got a healthy Jack Flaherty.
4: We do, and I think what you just said is the key to all of this. Um, The more and more our players are, are self-evaluators and honest with themselves and, and how their uh year's going how their outings are going um from from week to week the, the all, all improvement starts with the truth and uh as long as we can be truthful with them and they can be truthful with themselves i, I think uh, it leads to more and more improvement and uh that's where we're at with Jack his ability to sit down after yesterday's outing take the good from it understand what adjustments he needs to make uh is the key to his next outing so i'm, I'm proud of uh where he's at mentally and physically uh, leading into the season.
3: You had yesterday Nolan Arenado reaching on a throwing error by Matt Chapman. You're not going to see that very often. Chapman's really good. Uh, But that did score a run as you are able to get some base runners on before that. And then Nolan Gorman comes through with the two-run single. I know you had to be smiling on that one as he is coming off (laughs) a remarkable spring.
4: He had a really good spring, and uh, it's always good to see these guys, whenever you task them with something in the offseason, to see them put their head down, get to work, and come back with a a better version of themselves. And that's what we saw with Gorman. Um, He made some really good adjustments offensively, um, mechanical adjustments, and had a productive spring, and we're expecting a productive season out of him. But yesterday, um, however you can get it, whether it's off the barrel, off the end, two runs or two runs, and we'll take it.
3: This is Holly Marmol, the Cardinals manager, with us every Sunday at 10:15, and we really appreciate it. The Cardinals won that game 4-1, to Jordan Walker. I, I could, this could be a two-game question here because he goes right in there. He smacks a single up the middle on the second pitch that he sees against the Jays on Thursday, then takes a day Friday, and yesterday he does the same thing. He had a, a pitch that he, he watched drop. And then the next one he smacked it uh into the hole and left, and he reaches again what a what an athlete he is couple of hits in an RBI yesterday Oliver
4: yeah, and he's doing a really nice job and this is a guy that um, is going to continue to settle into the league I think he's uh his composure is unbelievable for for his age and um just being here at Bush and the Pack Stadium, the whole deal, his at-bats, uh, he looks like he knows what he's doing. Good approach, uh, under control, and he's co- going to continue to contribute uh, defensively. We're just going to continue to see him improve uh, day in, day out. He's out there with Willie and Pop every day working on the defensive side of things. But uh, we're, we're impressed with what we're seeing, and we're looking forward to, to an exciting year after Jordan Walker.
3: Well, how would you describe, and you've had a lot of time to think about it because you had a full day Friday after that, but <laughs> that first game it had a little bit of everything, didn't it, in that 10-9 game against the Blue Jays? They're good, yeah. uh, but so is your, your team. I feel like you, your teams are very similar.
4: Yeah, it was a it was an odd game. When you look at the overall BABIP and just balls in play and how many of them fell in for both sides, um, it, was, it was completely out of the norm um, when you compare it to the rest of the league. and. We, I mean, they had 19 hits, 16 singles, and a lot of them were very soft singles. We had our fair share as well. So it was just an odd game all the way around. And um, not having Geo obviously hurt there uh, in the later part of that game. But uh, the guys continued to go at it offensively, um, continued to punch back, which was good to see. And I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. Uh, there's a There's a lot of depth and length to that lineup. And there's not a whole lot of breathing room. Um, so whether we're down three or four early in that game, uh, we never feel out of it, which is a which is definitely a good feeling.
3: What a scene that is. Uh, we've seen it year after year after year here at Bush Stadium, and it just never gets old. In fact, it seems to get better and better with age, and that is the opening ceremony for opening day. Uh, what is that like for you behind the scenes, getting ready to head out there? You know the Clydesdales just came out. They're uh just going along the track at two thirty, making the crowd jump. And then the magic is inside the building. What is it like for you?
4: <laughs> it's um, very rarely do, do I take a moment and just like sit back and take it in and enjoy. Cause you just have your head down and you're thinking about the very next pitch, the very next game and just kind of, strategizing for the day-to-day of the job, so very rarely do you take a step back and take it all in, but that's one of those times where I, I, I tell myself, too, it's opening day, it's, it goes unmatched here and at Bush Stadium, and the ability to ride out there, you hear the crowd, everybody's excitement for the season, and then you get dropped off, and you shake all the Hall of Famers' hands, and it's, it's a moment that I, I take my time with because uh, you're, you're committing to continuing the legacy and the tradition that this organization has had for a long time, and you're shaking the hands of those that have done it well, um, and you're passing them that along. So just taking your time, looking them in the eye, shaking their hands, making your way through that line, and then um, receiving the rest of the guys in that starting lineup and then kicking off for pitch number one. It's a, it's a really cool moment and one I enjoy. It, to your point, definitely doesn't get old.
3: Yeah, I don't know that anybody does it better in our game than the St. Louis Cardinals. All right, so I saved the biggest, one of the biggest questions for last, if people are just joining us, and that is Wilson Contreras. Uh, how is he? Boy, that was a tough moment there, taking that sinker off the knee. Uh, I'm glad to hear that those exams were clean. What's the latest you can tell us about Wilson?
4: Yeah, he came in the next day, and he was moving around a lot better than any of us anticipated. Uh, he was able to squat down, kind of, uh, do everything that he was asked to do um yesterday uh feeling a lot better as well so he's in the lineup today and he's uh he's ready to go which is which is awesome cuz that could have got ugly real quick
3: that's awesome he'll be behind the plate not DHing
4: he's behind the plate today that's correct
3: yeah oh awesome uh and then Lars Nupar uh, that uh, thumb injury is is everything okay there
4: yeah, thumb injury, sliding in the third in uh, in game one. He's feeling better today. He's going to go down and take some swings here in a moment and let us know what he's uh, able to do, um, whether that's be a defensive replacement or if he's able to take an at bat. But he's uh, continuing to to make progress every day, which is a uh, which is a good sign.
3: Gotcha. Well, I appreciate it. I see your lineup here that just uh, got released with Carlson in the middle, Walker on right, and you're you got any. You, What's up
4: you got any questions on, on the lineup? Any suggestions?
3: <laughs> no, I think it looks looks good to me. I mean you've got that's the thing is you've got so many pieces that you can move around right now and I guess my my one question is Dylan Carlson. Just how do you see him in that role as we close with Ollie Marmal? He is quote unquote your fourth outfielder, but then again, you know you have five outfielders that you can play around with
4: We do. And a part of what we'll do is make sure that we keep these guys fresh, especially early on in the season, as you, as you get into it. And um, there's plenty of at-bats to go around and we have, I mean, a really good problem in that we have a lot of guys that can play the outfield well and that take good at-bats and we'll mix and match and and make sure that guys are staying sharp and not sitting for too long, but also um, getting in the groove and um, we'll use them appropriately. It's a, it's a really good problem to have. And, We'll see how uh, how the season goes, but there, there's enough at-bats for Carlson and the rest of that group to to stay sharp.
3: Thank you very much for the time. I appreciate this. Have a great game today against the Blue Jays.
4: I right, appreciate it, Tom. Thank you.
3: There's Cardinals manager, Ollie Marmel, with us on KMOX's Sports on a Sunday morning. Great to have him. We are inside Cardinals Nation, Ballpark Village. Cardinals getting set to take on the Blue Jays today. Pre-game at 12.20. Up next, we'll take a look at yesterday's Final Four and today's National Championship for the women. It's Iowa against LSU. Then Monday night, San Diego State will take on UConn. Plus, Dan Reardon previews the Masters at 10.45. Lutz, Fan, and Steel still upcoming. The sporting director for St. Louis City SC at 11.15. John Moselock will join us at 11.30. We'll talk Blues and Battlehawks as well before we...
5: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
3: It is Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. I'm Tom Ackerman on KMOX.
2: Welcome back to the Grey Bar Sports on a Sunday morning. those Smith swings and he hits a drive.
3: He hits a slammer.
2: Gray Bar, your distributor for electrical and datacom needs. Millican's win! Phillips win! Once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports Studio, Tom Ackerman.
3: Welcome back to Ballpark Village. Looking in from left field at a beautiful Bush Stadium. The sun is shining on the middle and upper decks behind home plate, lighting up that Budweiser sign. It looks great. The players will be warming up and getting ready for Cardinal baseball as the Cardinals take on the Blue Jays today. This is Graybar Sports on a Sunday morning. I'm Tom Ackerman, and it's great to be with you. We just heard from Cardinals manager Ollie Marmel. He is back with us for another season, and you can always listen to those visits, which are about 15 minutes in length, every Sunday at 1015. If you just missed it, you can go to the KMOX Sports on a Sunday Morning podcast. They will have it up. You could also use your Odyssey app if you want. You just rewind. The Odyssey app's great because you can listen to the game or the show, um, and there are segments of the show you can listen to. Like that last segment with Ali Marmel, you can just go to the Odyssey app and scroll up to 1015 to 1028 or 29 whenever we stopped and you just click on that and it just starts playing the interview that you just missed it's really great it's on demand radio absolutely love it so that's where we are with the cardinals and the blue jays today and i mentioned to him that i saw the lineup And we touched on it a little bit. It just came out. He commented on Wilson Contreras starting at catcher and Dylan Carlson starting in center field. Here's the lineup, how it looks today. Brendan Donovan will lead off and play second base. Alec Burleson is in left field batting second. Paul Goldschmidt, the first baseman, bats third. Nolan Arenado is the cleanup hitter. He's the third baseman. Wilson Contreras, the catcher, bats fifth. Nolan Gorman, the DH, will bat sixth. Jordan Walker in right field batting seventh. Dylan Carlson will play center field today and bat eighth. And Tommy Edmond, the shortstop, bats ninth. Donovan, Burleson, Goldschmidt, Arenado, Contreras, Gorman, Walker, Carlson, and Edmond. For the Blue Jays, they'll have... George Springer, who is just a tremendous baseball player, he's in right field leading off. Bo Bouchette is the shortstop, bats second. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the first baseman, bats third. Dalton Varsho is the center fielder, batting fourth. Alejandro Kirk will DH today and bat fifth. Matt Chapman, the third baseman, bats sixth. Whit Merrifield is the left fielder, batting seventh. Danny Jansen is the catcher. He bats eight. Santiago Espinal is the second baseman batting ninth with Chris Bassett as the pitcher for the Blue Jays. Jordan Montgomery goes for the Cardinals. That lineup for the Blue Jays again, Springer, Bichette, Guerrero, Varsho, Kirk, Chapman, Merrifield, Jansen, and Espinal. I think they're a really good team, the Blue Jays, just like the Cardinals. I, I see them almost as mirror images of each other. They both have a lot of power. In the middle of their order, they both have good fielding third basemen and outfielders and players just in general, good speed. Uh, The pitching, I think, is good for both. Uh, Two great teams. So we'll see where it goes with these two today as the Cardinals try to win this series. Today at 2.30, she will try to win the first national championship for the University of Iowa. She is Caitlin Clark, and if you haven't seen her, she is absolutely remarkable. Back-to-back 40-point efforts, 40 for the Iowa guard, who reminds some of, on the men's side, Pistol Pete Maravich. She does it all. She can score from the outside, inside. She handles the ball. She is a leader, and she is with ESPN's Holly Rowe. Well,
6: it was so finish this out you know all we do is believe in one another and we love each other to today um, and that's what a true team is you know if you want an example of a team that's what this is coach winner knows how to create a team she knows how to create a culture where everybody's valued and I'm just lucky enough to be a part of it you know I love these girls to death it was a scrappy win though Kate Martin defending like crazy people fighting their lives for rebounds how hard was it man a lot of credit. They're a tremendous team. They've had a tremendous year. Obviously, so well coached. and uh, You know, they killed us on the glass, but we never hung our heads. You know, we just came right back down every single possession and got after it. Caitlin, I know it's not about you, but this is an unbelievable performance for you. How did you have ice in your veins tonight? You know, just to believe. We had nothing to lose. You know, I have the co- all the confidence in this world in this group, and you know, they believe right back in me, and that's all you need is just teammates that believe in you, coaches that believe in you. A program and a university that supports you in the state of Iowa. You know, they supported me like no other, and I love it. You scored almost every single point for Iowa since it was 62 to 60. Do you understand what you've just done? No, honestly not. But, you know, all that matters is that we won at the end of the day. The scoreboard says that the Iowa Hawkeyes won. And that's exactly what we did. All right, let's see you in the national championship game. How does let's that sound? You there, yeah. That sounds amazing.
3: Wow, what a great teammate, great player. Caitlin Clark, as good as you'll find in this game on the men's or women's side. Tremendous and a historic performance in the women's Final Four, which they will play the championship at 2.30 today. They beat the number one overall seed, South Carolina, 77-73, the first loss of the season for South Carolina. They are now 36-1 and to end their year, and Kaitlin Clark will take on LSU as Iowa goes to the national championship at 2.30 today down in Dallas. Meanwhile, just to the south of that in Houston, not only are the BattleHawks playing today against Houston, but they are getting ready for the national championship tomorrow between San Diego State and UConn. UConn, let's start with them. They blasted Miami yesterday. It was 72-59, but I got news for you. It wasn't that close. UConn could have done whatever they wanted on the floor yesterday. Jim Laranega said after the game, Uh, to Tracy Wolfson of CBS, that they just did not have their game. They didn't play well, and UConn took full advantage. They look great. They have a great inside-out game themselves. Everybody on that floor for UConn is a threat, and they are one game away from a national championship. Would be their fifth. Would be their fifth. And I'll tell you what, as an Indiana alum, that doesn't sit very well. Um, (laughs) I'll tell you that uh indiana has won five national championships this yukon huskies men's basketball team has won national championships and they have won four of them since indiana won their first in 1980 or their last in 1987 yukon's won just to remind you in 99 2004 2011 in 2014 And if they win here in 2023, do you start inviting them to the blue blood conversation? Do you leave them out of Kansas and Kentucky and North Carolina and Duke and UCLA and Indiana? Or do you invite them in? Because this will be five national titles for UConn. That's a lot, folks. So they are a seven and a half point favorite. Now waiting for them, however, is I think a really good basketball program that's been unnoticed for a long time. That's San Diego State. They have one of the most raucous student sections and home atmospheres in all of college hoops. The problem is, just like you know, Mike Trout for the Angels or some of the greatness uh, that we see on the West Coast in the NBA, we don't get to see it a lot. A lot of us are asleep by the time that San Diego State tips, but they have great atmospheres out there, and they play, and they play hard and they showed it yesterday against Florida Atlantic. I know this was a last-second shot that was made by Lamont Butler last night and a tremendous shot for San Diego State, but they won that game because they just out-muscled and out-willed a tough FAU team down the stretch. Florida Atlantic was up by 14, and this team, San Diego State, just grabbed offensive rebounds. They out FAU in the very end, and in the end got a shot. But it was what they did to put themselves in position to make that happen, to climb back into the game. That was not easy against a really good Florida Atlantic team. They ended up edging them 35-31 in the rebound battle, but San Diego State pulled down 12 offensive rebounds, 12 yesterday against the Owls and beat them by a point, got themselves into position to win the game, and they did. Tough loss for Florida Atlantic and Coach Dusty May. I mentioned uh, earlier on KMOX that I went to their practice on Tuesday. Yes, part of that reason is Dusty's an IU guy, Bob Knight's uh, former student manager. But, uh, man, I love the way they play, and I hope that they uh, don't feel bad about what they've accomplished. I know it doesn't feel good to lose ever, uh, but to make it to the Final Four for that little school is really special. A great win for san diego state however and they're a seven and a half point underdog tomorrow against uconn i feel like that's a lot of points even as good as uconn is i feel like that's a lot of points seven and a half to give san diego state a team that regularly is in close tough basketball games uconn they blow teams out they win by double digits what happens if they get into a close game they haven't done that in a while but they're really really good we will take a quick time out when we come back we'll talk some golf jim nance is going to go from the final four to the masters that's his week dan reardon of kmox sports will be waiting for him down in augusta he joins us next on kmox
2: welcome back to the gray bar sports on a sunday morning Smith swings and he hits a drive he hits a slammer gray bar your distributor for electrical and datacom needs
3: millikins wins
2: once again, from the Stiefel Financial Sports
3: Studio, Tom Ackerman. Welcome back to the show. Coming to you from Ballpark Village, Cardinals Nation Restaurant. It's open, and fans know that. They are already coming in, grabbing a table. The bar is busy. The restaurant, the kitchen is cooking. Ballpark Village looking out at uh, Bally Sports Midwest Live. They're really hopping out there. Fans are already coming in. This is going to be a big crowd again today for the Cardinals and the Toronto Blue Jays. Want to wish a happy birthday to 8-year-old Anaya listening in on sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Anaya, we hope you have an awesome, awesome birthday and hope the Cardinals can get a win for you. That'd be great. Happy eighth birthday to Anaya. We welcome into the show our senior golf editor, Dan Reardon, who is going to be Augusta Bound, I understand, very soon. How are you, Dan?
1: I'm doing fine, Tom. Yeah, this is uh thirty eight years ago was the first time I recovered the masters, so I'm looking forward to it. I never get bored with the masters. And by the way, how would you like I to know. be how would you like to be Jim Nance's companion starting yesterday? Uh, over the next eight days.
3: Oh, my gosh. It's such a great job. It really is. Alana Campbell, my friend who works for CBS, she did an incredible job producing a video on his basketball career. This will be his last Final Four and doing it in Houston where he went to college. And uh, really special. If you want to direct yourself to that, I posted it on my Twitter page. It's really good. And then there's the whole – let's talk about him for a minute. Then there's the whole career that he's had in the game of golf. You talk about 38 years, Dan. I, I believe Nance is right along that number. I think it's been I, about about
1: that long. I, I think that's correct, Tom. And, and, and by the way, I, I will also mention one of the secrets behind uh, Jim Nance is Tom Spencer. Who is his statistician, his historian? He's with him now on the on the NFL telecast. He's with him on the NCAA telecast, and he's uh, always been a golf guy. And uh, it, you know, Jim is Jim is the face of that operation. But he, we, first to tell you, it's part of a team operation.
3: Absolutely right, and he is a terrific person, and uh, just treats so many people so well. Uh, including me, any time that I see him, which is not as often as I'd like to, but when I do get to catch up with him, he is just incredible to everybody, anybody who works on that broadcast. And you're right, uh, for the young broadcasters out there, you want to go far in this business, be somebody that everyone loves working with, and Jim Nance is that to a T. You never hear anybody say a bad word about Jim Nance they love working with him and that and part of the reason is what Dan just said Dan we love working with you and let's talk some golf uh, the Masters does get underway on Thursday but it really starts before that how does the week uh, really get going at Augusta leading up to that first
1: round well it's changed now because of the women's tournament. You know, they have the women's uh, national amateur, uh, the Augusta uh, women's national amateur there, and that started on Thursday and wrapped up yesterday. The only round was the final round was played at Augusta, but they market that package together. So, for instance, today when they have drive, putt, and chip and things going on, they have a big extravaganza, which will be new from the media center uh, coming from CBS tonight. Uh, so it's changed. It, it's grown a, a little bit further back uh, into the, the prior week, and now it becomes, I guess, maybe a 10-day event rather than a seven-day event. Monday, from a player's standpoint, the, most of the players will arrive on Monday. By Tuesday, the whole field is there, and that's the heavy workload in terms of uh, the interview schedule. Wednesday is Fred w- Ridley's uh, press conference and the par three, and then you get the four days of the championship. And by the way, the first thing you have to know about every Masters is the weather, and they're going to get rain tomorrow. They're going to get rain on Friday and Saturday, perhaps a little bit on on Thursday, but Friday and Saturday as much as an inch of rain over that two-day period of time. So you will see the golf course a little different than they would have preferred. And by the way, the Saturday round will be very reminiscent of last year, high of 54 rain, very reminiscent, as I said, of last year's uh, Masters. Wow. How about that? Who does
3: that favor, Dan? Does that favor anybody or group of players in particular? Well, it
1: certainly re- will re- reward length, and it will only—not in the sense that the golf course will play longer. The golf course, the fairways will play softer, and so the players don't have to worry as much about the ball running out of the fairway and into that light rough, which controls your ability to spin the ball into the greens. So, yeah, the guys that can fly the ball a long way in the air, they will—that those shots will land softly in the fairway and uh, that will be a distinct advantage. It does work against the shorter hitters, no, no question about it.
3: The Texas Open is playing right now, and Patrick Rogers has a one-shot lead in San Antonio. I see a few names in there, but not most people don't do that, right, Dan? They, they skip that uh, tournament right before, but I see a former Masters champion, Hideki Matsuyama, six under after a 68 yesterday. I mean, he's right in there as well. Every,
1: every player handles it differently. And I think the last player to win the week prior to the masters was Phil Mickelson. And that's when the, the PGA tour would stop in Atlanta. And then the following week, they would just drive up 20 uh, to uh, Augusta and, and have the Masters tournament. So it, it varies player by player, but we've seen more and more You know, Nicholas is the one who set the pattern of not playing the week before and, and uh, sort of staging his preparations and then showing up that week and getting things done. Um, You know, Tiger, obviously, will be there probably starting uh, maybe even today. I would suspect today. Uh, But the players are mostly looking at Saturday, Sunday coming in and then being on the course two of the three days because the practice round on Wednesday is only in the morning because of the uh, par-three tournament.
3: Who's the favorite here? Is it uh, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler? Am I on target with those two being probably the top two picks?
1: Oh, I think that's a, a trio. I think the big three is is Rom, Scheffler, and McElroy. and and McElroy for me is always a sentimental pick because this would complete the slam for him. But but I'm I'm going to say that for a different reason. I was in the room with uh, Rory on Sunday afternoon when he finished a brilliant final round. And I've, never, I've been around every one of Rory's major wins in this country, and I've never seen him as excited as he was after his Sunday round at Augusta. He believed at that time that he had killed his demons, and there's always been a one-round demon that's haunted Rory as he's tried to pick up that final leg of the Grand Slam. And he thinks that's in his past, and he's played well enough this year that he certainly fits in that category of the big three. Rahm, I would say, is the biggest question mark because he's had some problems with illness and performance over the last month. And Scheffler, well, he's trying to go back-to-back, and I believe I'm correct. The last guy to go back-to-back was Tiger, and that's quite a ways back.
3: Yeah, I agree with you on McElroy always being the sentimental favorite, and I always seem to pull for him to do well. I just enjoy watching him, and I think he's one of the good people as well. Uh, who's lurking, Dan? I mean, there's, the, of course, the big names of Spieth and Justin Thomas. Uh, I think, you know, everyone's always wondering when Tony Finau is going to erupt and, and rattle off some huge wins and huge moments. I always wonder about a player like a Max Homa, who I think has really come on and played well. What do you think about those players?
1: I, I like all those choices. I said to somebody yesterday that, that Jordan Spieth likes that uh, that uh, week so much that he probably has a two-stroke advantage before he tees off because of the comfort level. And, and Homa is certainly the, the new face on the PGA Tour, the young face breaking through. I, I would look at the internationals as well. Uh, I'll take the two Brits. I'll take uh, Justin Rose, who's had a very good bounce back, first quarter of the year and I will take uh, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick who uh, has beefed up quite a bit and can play uh, at length at Augusta and then if he could ever figure out how to handle bunkers I would put Victor Hoblin in that category. Hoblin may be the best driver of the golf ball after McIlroy in the field and you mentioned Justin Thomas there is the enigmatic player I think because he's never had success at Augusta and he's a great player. He's won two major championships. One day he's going to figure that out as well
3: yeah that's a good point i I think one of these days you are going to see him get that done well, it's always a lot of fun to see who will end up with the green jacket. I know we will catch up uh, between now and then, but I really appreciate this. Thanks for getting us started as we get ready for the masters and what's your plan when
1: are you when do you get going i'll be there I'll be off all four days of the championship. Uh, it was a little bit of a problem last year from a travel standpoint, but uh, you know i've never been. To the power three tournament and all the years that i've gone to augusta i've got a factor in it at some point in time and so very quickly people should pay attention to the 13th hole which has been lengthened 50 yards and i don't think people are talking enough about the fact that that may take the pine straw on the high side out of play you know that's where phil mickelson made that great shot in winning his championship i don't think the pine straw is going to be as much of a factor and the players may play a high line and change that the way that hole is played
3: Mm, That's really interesting. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Well, when I was at that FAU practice on Tuesday, all that West Palm Beach media, they were all making plans on when they were going to Augusta. So I'm very envious of all the folks covering the Masters. What a great time, a great start to the golf season, really. Dan, have a great time down there, and we'll catch up with you soon. Enjoyed it, Tom. This is the Gray Bar Sports on a Sunday morning from Ballpark Village Cardinals Nation back after the news.